This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey y'all, Jamar Tisby here, and I just had a few reflections on the January 6th committee. So on December 19th, 2022, the January 6th special committee concluded its work. They concluded with their final televised hearing. In this hearing, they summarized all of the evidence they had accumulated uh, to point to Donald Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection and the attempt to overthrow a legitimate election. A few things that stuck out to me. Number one, we are living through history. If you watched that hearing, you were literally watching history in the making. Historians uh, always hesitate to say something is unprecedented, but in this case, a committee like this bringing formal or recommending formal charges against a former president is truly unprecedented. And to me, someone as a historian who's kind of always conscious of history and, and that we are living history, that we are experiencing history, that we are making history right now, it was a bizarre moment. In fact, you could say these last two years with regard to the January 6th attempted insurrection have all been historic moments. The insurrection itself, we've never seen something quite like that in U.S. history. And then the aftermath, of course, uh, the former president still to this day maintaining that the legitimate election was stolen from him. The January 6th committee, all of the evidence, all of the testimonies it being live and televised, all of this has a sense both of novelty and of gravity. I hope you've been paying attention. This is, should the Lord tarry and we survive another 30 or 40 years, this is what people will be writing about, talking about, analyzing uh, what happened that day on January 6th, 2020. Also, what was leading up to it and what came after it. You are living in historic times. The exact charges that that were leveled against the former president, uh, those should be named. So what we know now, as I record this, the full report is is has yet to come out. But but what we know from the, the televised hearing, they are recommending that the Department of Justice charge Donald Trump and his lawyer, John Eastman, with the following obstruction of an official proceeding. Conspiracy to defraud the United States. Conspiracy to make false statements. And here come the most serious, I think, allegations or, or recommendations, assisting or aiding an insurrection and conspiring to injure or impede an officer and seditious conspiracy. 
you can't go any higher than the president, politically speaking, unless you, in terms of an elected office, right? Uh, uh, the the people are supposed to be the most important component in this uh, political system. But in terms of an elect, elected official, you can't go higher any any higher than the president of the United States, right? And yet, it was the president who a mountain of evidence has shown to have conspired in a, a, a sedition to betray the very nation who he took an oath to protect and to lead. It's so serious. Again, novelty in that it's, it's, it's new in, in, in our history, but the gravity of it, the weight of that, my goodness. Uh, assisting or aiding an insurrection. The president himself, this isn't some member of his cabinet or his staff or someone in the other branches. This is the president himself assisting or aiding an insurrection. What the January 6th committee concluded was that uh, Donald Trump was the cause of the insurrection. Had he not asserted the big lie, had he not called for people to um, gather, to to descend on the Capitol on January 6th, uh, the day the election was supposed to be uh, certified in Congress, uh, had he not told people to march to the Capitol, because the January 6th uh, rally that he had, which was weird in and of itself, you hold a rally on the day that they're supposed to you know, sort of officially, officially uh, recognize these election results, um, a rally in protest of those results at the nation's capital, and then um, to command your thousands of followers assembled to walk to the Capitol building and oppose this? Like, can we just zoom out for a second? That is massively criminal. <laughs> inappropriate, dangerous, violent, as we saw. Uh, and, 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 and we easily could have predicted, and law enforcement had warnings to that effect. So all of that. But that's not all. There was one number that stuck out to me in this final hearing. That number was 1,000. In fact, it was more than 1,000. That number refers to the amount of interviews that the January 6th Select Committee conducted in pursuit of the truth behind this attempted insurrection. More than a thousand interviews, nine members on the committee, a year and a half of work. That is mind-boggling. And, and, and that's not even counting the, 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 the thousands, tens of thousands of pages of evidence that they got in form of emails and memos and other correspondence. You want to talk about a mountain of evidence. What struck me, though, with that 1,000 number, think about how much evidence it takes to prove the truth versus how little evidence it takes to believe a lie. 
If you think about Donald Trump himself, he watched Fox News or OANN or some YouTube channel. He logged onto Twitter. He saw these conspiracy theories and without any background, any due diligence, started spouting off these conspiracy theories as fact. Oh, the machines were rigged. The the uh, election officials, who, by the way, are volunteers. These are local community folks who are just uh, trying to be civic minded and help out on election day. These are not nefarious actors, right? He said, "Oh, well, they're 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 involved in this big plot, this big conspiracy to throw out votes, whatever it was. All of that proven again and again." Um, cases dismissed or, or, or struck down by some of Trump's own appointed judges, all of that proven to be a lie. And yet so many people believed it. So many people promoted it regardless of whether they believed it. But then look at all of the work it takes to try to prove the truth of what happened. A thousand interviews. Have you ever been, have you ever been an employee somewhere and you were part of a hiring committee? You know how much work that is just to do, I don't know, like three interviews in a day or even a week, right? They did a thousand interviews, including with a bunch of folks who didn't want to do it, uh, they had to sub- subpoena a bunch of folks who didn't even show up. If you or I didn't show up for a, a subpoena from the court or Congress, th- there's no end to the trouble we would get into. And yet, these folks aren't held accountable. And that's the key. That's the key to this whole thing is accountability. After the Civil War, which seems like a very appropriate comparison, um, not saying that civil war is is about to happen, although you could argue that ideologically we are certainly in uh, an ideological civil war of sorts. But I bring it up because that is the clearest occasion when the nation was this divided, when the system of government that that we had adopted was was most clearly under threat. After the Union won uh, the military conflict of the Civil War. The question was reunion. How do you bring the nation back together? And part of that question was, well, what do you do with the people who tried to split it apart? What do you do with former members of the Confederacy, especially uh, the political and military leaders? Well, uh, Abraham Lincoln is assassinated. His vice president, Andrew Johnson, who's essentially <laughs> a confederate all but in name in terms of his sentiments um is 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 um you know very sympathetic <laughs> with white supremacy to put it mildly what does he do to those former confederate leaders he pardons almost all of them uh all they have to do is say they're going to be loyal to the union some of them owe him an apology but in terms of real material consequences almost nothing And therein, I think, is a crime almost as big as splitting from the Union to uh, preserve slavery. What do I mean? The failure to hold folks accountable means they're going to do it again. We had, after the Civil War, our best opportunity as a nation 
to not only repudiate racism and white supremacy in words or even in laws, but to repudiate it by holding accountable the people who promoted racism and white supremacy. Many of them got their property back. Many of them continued uh, to prosper off of the economic exploitation of black people through sharecropping after the Civil War. And many of them, if not most, continued to hold on to this idea of a noble South that was invaded and disrupted by Northerners and black people who had gotten uppity and out of their place. The long legacy of that history from the 19th century and before is January 6th. Oh, yeah, you didn't think we were going to talk about January 6th and not talk about race. Let's talk about it. It goes at least back to 2008 and the election of Barack Obama as the first black president. We saw shortly thereafter the emergence of the Tea Party, which in many ways was a precursor to Trumpism and laid the groundwork for it. All they needed was an avatar that came in the form of Trump a few years later. Right. And then uh, remember that Trump got his um, entrance into the national political scene by promoting another big lie that Obama wasn't a U.S. citizen, the birther conspiracy, right? Um, so all of this is, is wrapped up in racial identity. It's wrapped up in the idea that America is only truly well-ordered and high-functioning when white people are in charge. And the attempt to keep white people in political and economic and social power was also wrapped up in the January 6th insurrection. Folks don't say it, most folks, but it's there. So all that to say, this is big and this is critical. The other factor I wanted to point out was Hope Hicks gave testimony. She was a um, Trump staffer. And uh, her testimony came later after most of the live hearings had taken place. So we heard some of it for the first time in this final hearing. And, and she said one thing in particular that really stuck out because I think it summarizes so much. She was talking to Trump about the big lie and, and, and how he should uh, accept the results of the election. And she said she was concerned about his legacy, that this big lie this this insistence that the 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 election wasn't legitimate that was going to tarnish his legacy <laughs> as if he hadn't done a thousand other things before that to to tarnish his legacy um but then trump's response is is according to hicks is is also what stuck out to me according to her she said nobody will care about my legacy if i lose the only thing that matters is winning the only thing that matters is winning. I think that just about summarizes Trump's political philosophy and his approach to life. The only thing that matters is winning. You might add one more word to that. Coming from Trump, the only thing that matters is me winning. See, I think at the crux Trump's outlook is himself.
That is what led to January 6th. It wasn't about the American people. It wasn't about democracy. It wasn't about what was best for the country. It was about what was best for Trump. Now, we've known this, but to hear him say it, the only thing that matters is winning. Well, that tells us a lot. Character still counts in my book. What about yours? Let me bring up one more point for the people of faith out there, especially the Christians, because we know um, conservative Christians, particularly white evangelical Christians, and those who, who we would also call white Christian nationalists, they were Trump's biggest supporters. So let's talk about that. You want to claim uh, religion? You want to claim Christianity? Let's talk about the Ten Commandments, and one in particular. I could, I could go down the line about how Trump <laughs> blatantly disregarded so many of the Ten Commandments, how white Christian nationalism blatantly disregards so many of the Ten Commandments. But I want to focus on one in particular, the Ninth Commandment. You remember what the Ninth Commandment is? Go back to your Sunday school lessons. Now you don't have to remember. I'll tell you. The Ninth Commandment is this. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Bear false witness is old-timey language for lie. You're not supposed to lie on anyone in the African-American vernacular English. Don't lie on me. Trump promulgated the big lie that the election was stolen. I appreciate the way... <laughs> the Westminster Confession of Faith breaks down each commandment that gives us a little bit more specificity. So there's a lot of stuff here with the Westminster Confession being Eurocentric, being part of this Reformed and Evangelical tradition that is very not uh, <laughs> racially inclusive. But I do appreciate this part. So um, in the catechism, it's it's the form of a question and answer. It's designed to teach believers and religious adherents the basics of the faith. So you're supposed to memorize the question and the answer. So in the shorter catechism, it says the ninth. Um, it says what is required in the ninth commandment. So in other words, let's break this down. What's required? What does it demand of us? It says the ninth commandment requireth the maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man, or person and person, the maintaining and promoting of truth and of our own and our neighbor's good name, especially in witness bearing. Ooh, let's, let's bring this to court. The ninth commandment requires maintaining and promoting truth. So in a court of law, you got to tell the truth. And of our own and our neighbor's good name. So you're not supposed to talk bad about anyone you're not supposed to lie about other people. And then it goes on. It says, especially in witness bearing. In other words, especially when you're giving a testimony, especially when you are in some sort of uh, uh, official role as, as, as conveying um, what happened or talking about the character of somebody. You're supposed to, in that case, you have a special responsibility uh, to promote truth and uh, of your neighbor's good name. The catechism goes on. It asks not only what's required, but it says what is forbidden. What is forbidden in the ninth commandment? Answer, the ninth commandment forbiddeth whatsoever is prejudicial to truth, 
or injurious to our own or our neighbor's good name. The ninth commandment forbids whatever's prejudicial to the truth or whatever injures our own or our neighbor's good name. When we look at that, we see that the big lie violates what's forbidden in the commandment. The big lie is prejudicial to truth, that the election was legitimate. The big lie is injurious to the name of uh, anybody who stands for democracy, anybody who doesn't believe that lie, anybody who does accept the weight of the evidence from the January 6th committee. And in particular, it is injurious of the names of election officials, of volunteers who helped on voting days, of uh businesses like the Dominion uh, voting machines, which were accused of being rigged, of uh, the current administration injurious of our neighbor's good name. So if we want to think of this in religious terms, I mean, you can just go to the basics, the Ten Commandments, and say, well, how does this line up with the most straightforward explication of what God requires of us in terms of morality and ethics that, that, that we can find. And don't, don't even let's get started on the Beatitudes, right? That's, that's very damning uh, for, for many people who, who promoted this lie and supported this insurrection. But uh, just think about that. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Folks, we're living in historic times, and the question is, what will your legacy be? When people look back on this era of U.S. history, what will be your witness? What will be your testimony? Uh, there are going to be folks who, you know, send them, send them this message to listen to, and they'll say, well, everybody lies. Uh, yes, everybody lies, and especially politicians. I've been notorious for uh, bending, stretching, breaking the truth, right? Um, but it hasn't always led to an insurrection. It ha hasn't always led to uh, violence. Some of these officers at the Capitol have lifelong injuries. Some of them lost their lives that day. Some of them later committed suicide as a result of the trauma of that day. Yeah, there's levels to this. Any politician can be accused of being loose with the truth, but this president knowingly, repeatedly, in the face of his own people dissuading him or attempting to, continued to lie. It led not only to the January 6th insurrection, uh, but perhaps to even more violence and threats to democracy going forward. It's not all the same. So, I hope that um, in the hindsight of history, especially when it comes to people of faith, we will be those who stood up for truth, those who did not bear false witness, and those, even if we are conservative or Republican-leaning, understand the clear and present danger to democracy itself that the current iteration of the Republican Party and, and its highest officials pose to all of us. Those are some thoughts. What are your thoughts? Let me know uh, about the January 6th committee, about their recommendations for, for criminal charges. What do you think the Department of Justice is going to do? Because it's in their hands now. Appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.